Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben. I'm joined by... This is Omar. What's going on, brother man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I think... I'm, I'm excited, man. Recently, I think you and I have taken... Uh, a, we've reached new levels when it comes to this podcast, right? Like, we've always been oh, really man. proud of it. We've always taken a lot of ownership over it, you know, trying to make time for it here when we can and all that. But, like, I feel like... I don't know. Maybe it's just quarantine. Maybe it's the fact that like we don't have many other outlets that we can, you know, things that we can do. But man, I'm at, I'm am. This is I'm hitting my second win. This is sick. You know what, man? Like the the effort with the with the IGTV and um again everybody who who is listening, please do follow at the session ball on Instagram. There's a lot of work that goes behind it, and I feel that these small little clips have really helped us out with uh, getting exposure out and letting people know that we are active and like you can listen to segments and see if you want to hear the entire thing, you can join us on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever and you can listen to us ramble and talk because that's exactly what this is. And uh, we're getting so close to the 100 follower mark. Um, and I know that's been a really that's a pretty big milestone for us because yeah, we've sure. talked about it from before. I think we were at 60 something and we're talking about, imagine when we get to 100. Yeah. Sure. When we do get it, we're just going to keep going on more and more and more, but um, you know, huge shout out to you, Omar, for wow. doing that and course, putting the work behind course, it yeah. because that's really what, you know, separates us from others. I find is our consistent, you know, or as much as we try to be consistent with our quality and, this is just our outlet, you know. So yeah, I'm and, happy. And, man. and I mean, you and I don't get to hang out as much as, as we'd both like to, you know, given everything that's going on. Right. Before, I feel like we took it for granted, you know, when we could hang out more in person, we mm. we'd get busy. We wouldn't make too much time, you know. Like we'd still record the podcast and stuff, but we we should have been doing more things. And now that we can't, you know, go out and watch a movie or, you know, what I was really missing playing basketball, man. I miss you just like getting into just booking a, a community center gym or something like that and just playing ball and stuff like that. I'm really missing that. So sure. I mean, it's just a reminder, you know, make the most of our time through this uh, phase, and then, man, once once it's all behind us and and we're like, you know, moving on to returning to normalcy. Or um, it's going to be good, man. I'm so excited. I'm excited as well. And yeah, community, you know, like um, basketball has been, you know, like watching it and, and of course, playing it as well. It's funny because um, on SportsCenter now or SportsNet, they're, uh, they're actually broadcasting a lot of old games. Mm. So it's not just basketball. It'll be like hockey games. So not too long ago, they were actually broadcasting game four um, Los Angeles, uh, the LA Kings versus the Montreal Canadiens, where the Canadians won at the end and won the Stanley Cup. Um, watching sports was just something that I I haven't been able to get my fix of, mm -hmm. and um, I got so emotional just watching it because of how much I missed it. Yeah. And after that, it immediately made me want to search up. We used our TV and we went on YouTube and searched up the 2015 Blue Jays. Um, against Texas, like the highlights yeah. of that game as well, just because of how much that bat flip meant to the for to Toronto yeah. and to Canada and to the Blue Jays, like that's history. Yeah. Uh, my old boss actually had a picture of that bat flip framed in his office because yeah. that's how much of an impact that it had. So seeing that man, it really, really made me miss sports. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and being, you know, like sitting down in time and watching. And I feel like I've kind of took that for granted very much so because I was so used to it just being always available. And uh, because of how much I've been keeping myself busy with either working out or um, um, cooking or you know, helping out in the garden or whatever the case, in, wherever the case might be, um, it didn't really hit until I saw old footage of, of games yeah. when I realized just how much I miss sports. So Man, did that hit for you as well? Like, was, was it I, right away? I, or It was like about a week ago uh, where I was rewatching old basketball clips. I think it was when I caught up on last week. So or two weeks ago was last dance. And then I was, you know, inspired and I watch, you know, a lot of the classics I watched. Uh, they've been airing a lot of LeBron games. I didn't watch any of those on, on TV or anything, but I mean, I watched 2016 last last seven minutes. There's that one YouTube video that I watch every few months. The I think it's the last seven minutes of the 2016, uh, hmm. uh, what do you call it? Finals game seven. And it's just like you have you watch it so many times. You have so many of the plays like memorized the calls, what the announcers are going to say. Yeah. The final buzzer goes off. It's just like you watch it so many times. And it's like, man, I, I miss that uh, adrenaline. And I mean, people have been turning to like all kinds of different things to get that sports fix that you're talking about. They started airing Korean baseball. Um, I don't know if you've if you've been. Oh, okay. I think ESPN no, not at all. airing the Korean baseball league. Uh, I believe they're playing um, like you know in closed stadiums. Uh, so it's just the cameras and stuff like that. So people are just like, oh, I got to find a favorite Korean baseball team now. That's so funny. Just, just to get my fix, you know, of yeah. watching live sports and things like that. Yeah, it's um, no, it's 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 pretty crazy. I feel like. It really hit a couple of days ago when I was watching old footage. How much I actually, how much I actually missed it, and um, you know, it's. I really do wish that things do go back to normal. You know, obviously sooner rather than later. Um, obviously, the timetable for that is is still very uncertain. But you know, like I, I think a major theme, you know, since we started doing this podcast during the quarantine is, you know, just making the most of what we have right now. And making because I'm sure you know in a, in a in a in a certain way I find that even when things go back to normal we are going to always always remember what transpired during this quarantine and the different yeah. skills and things that you may have picked up on. Um, so that's that's just another positive way of thinking about it or looking at it, I suppose, because this will be a memory. Um, again, hopefully soon. And depending on what you do right now, it could be a positive or negative memory, yeah. right? So it just depends on what you're doing. So I guess I'll leave that to my next question. I, uh, you know, like, what have you been up to? Give us some updates in terms of how you've been spending this quarantine. I'm sure work has yeah. been taking up quite some time, but yeah, um, work works always there, which I'm, you know, grateful for. It's like a anchor point throughout my day. So it gives me some structure in my life because, you know, I have meetings, I work with people and stuff like that because it's easy to lose structure um, with with everything that's going on. So I enjoy that part of it. Uh, Ramadan and fasting has been going well. So it's it's yeah. always it feels different this year for obvious reasons. You know, there, this would be a lot of, you know, seeing family and friends and, and things like that. But that side of it isn't there. So if it, it, it kind of feels different, it kind of feels like almost in some ways empty, but, you know, trying to make the most of that because month's going to be over before we know it. And, and other than that, I mean, I guess cooking wise, I think I finally perfected, uh, pastes de nada. I made, uh, those Portuguese custard tarts that I think I, you've, you've had before. Oh, I love yeah. those. I love uh, those. So, uh, the 
finally got the technique on the lamination down. I think I made my best batch ever. Um, so it was nice. I went and uh, dropped some off at uh, Iman's house. It was it was difficult, you know, like not being able to like interact with her family and stuff like that. But it was like a lot of like, you know, just leave it at the front door and get back in my car and just like text like, hey. Check yeah, I saw Snapchat of that. I think Iman sent yeah. it to our group. Yeah. It was just yeah. you with your jean jacket looking down, like posing like it's a GQ magazine I, with your I car mean, right behind you. I mean, when you look this good, everyone's always going to call it a picture pose, but like whatever. Like, <laughs> really, whatever. Um, so that's good. And then, I mean, like something cool that we kind of did was two of our close friends, uh, Cappy and Robin, they finished their final semester at Mac uh, in, in engineering. So uh, we felt we felt bad, you know, with it's kind of like this black cloud that was hanging over their graduation where, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. They didn't really get to celebrate it the way that they may have envisioned. So we hosted a Zoom convocation uh, for them. So we invited everyone over into a Zoom call, all our close friends. And then we, you know, we had the convocation music that we played. We had applause. We had speeches back and forth. Uh, fake diplomas that we gave it made them walk across their camera it was pretty cool and i think that's nice you know it's like a, a perfect example of you know just it didn't take much time but it's just like making time for the people that matter in your life and and, yeah. and doing these kinds of cool interesting things i mean like they would have never uh three months ago imagined that that would be their you know quote-unquote convocation but right. i think everyone had a great time no, that was funny. The, the The convocation was really funny. I didn't know what to expect. Was, you kind of just dropped it in the WhatsApp chat. Just like, yeah. hey, like uh, there's going to be this, you know, ceremony that happens at 11 p.m., which already is such a weird time. Yeah. <laughs> and Omar was so funny about it. He's just like, OK, guys, uh, 1120, the doors are going to close. Like, Boy, shut your ass up. Let me inside. Yeah, because it's like 11, 11.10 and no one's in there yet. Yeah, no, I get it. We made Kathy dress up, too. We told yeah. Robin as well, but he, but he didn't dress up. And you know, were Robin so weak for that? That, I'll never forgive him for that. Like, you know, you guys do such a nice thing for them. And Cappy shows, you know, like he does the part. He yeah. puts his white shirt on all the way. <laughs> yeah, no tie. It's just a white dress no shirt. Tie. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks really, really funny. And apparently his mom would get mad at him because apparently it's going to get dirty if he wears it for 20 minutes. And that's just <laughs> what happens when Cappy wears clothing. So, but it was, it was really fun. And, yeah. uh, you know, using the soundboard that we have for the session, Omar had actually put on convocation music Yeah, and we made Cap and Robin also get up and do their, their kind of walk, their, the, the ceremonial walk for them to get their degree. I yeah, think why don't, why don't we had give, made. Why don't we give them a preview? So it was something like we started playing it and then. Yeah, just do it. Put on the music. This is that classic music at every convocation. There you go. Uh, and then, and then, and then, one of us goes, "Put it, keep putting it on. Okay. Keep, uh, have it on." Omar, Omar Shabir, and then you know they kind of <laughs> come over, rock, walk right up to the camera, you yeah. know, get their get their hands stuck out yeah, and do do a fake handshake in the camera and everything. But that was pretty dope. So you know, it was really fun. We played uh, we played Scribio after. Yeah, as well, which yeah. is really cool too. Lot, lots. Yeah. So just finding things to do, and another thing that um, I mean, you you mentioned it. Uh, Iman and I have been doing like online puzzles and stuff like that. I think it's called like JigsawPuzzle.io or or something like that. And like that's like a way we can spend our time and stuff like that online. It's like a. Um, I've never really been much of a puzzle guy, but it's like something productive that we can do together. It's fun. It passes the time and stuff like that. So. I mean, that's something that I'd recommend, like finding things to do online, online board games, online puzzles. I mean, there's a market for online board games. We were like scouring the web 
um, after the convocation looking for stuff to do. And like there's a there's a market out there. So if you're like a developer, man, make a good online board game. You will make bank. right. You now. will make bank. Yeah. Um, what's it called? I, I mean, I think I'm a huge advocate for that saying that goes where there's a will, there's a way. So if you want to if you want to spend time with with a server, even if you aren't physically there, if you have the will to do something with that person, you will find it, especially with you know, technology and how, how it's graced us. It's very easy to find something to do. Um, again, if you have the commitment and if you want to search for it, you know, like not only when it's convenient, but also spending some real time to, to do that. Right. So yeah. um, I think that's um, an example for me as well, because I do have a little bit of an update myself. In yeah. Terms of hit the quarantine. me, hit me, man. Hit me with um, what's been going on. So teasing me, this. I don't I don't know I don't know any of this. So yeah, you don't know any about this. Yeah. So I was a huge advocate and still am a huge advocate of calisthenics. I think that it's something that, you know, it's 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 good. Like and you know, there's nothing more confusing to the body and more challenging actually, depending on the movement that you do, than calisthenics, because you can find progressions to go from pike push-ups to handstand push-ups. You can do commando roll uh, commando pull-ups. And versus regular pulse, you can find certain progressions to get to that eight to twelve rep range, and you can struggle with it. But um, I kind of just again, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like those YouTubers because a lot of those YouTubers are just like, yeah, you know, like it's all body weight stuff now. So surprise, I did get a bench slash squat rack. No because, way! Yeah, I did get it. I you did get snapped. it. What the? Hell? I I had to do it. You know, the way that I saw it and the way that was explained by um uh, a buddy of mine was, you can make up the cost because if you were to sell it after everything blows over sell for 50 percent of the cost okay and then factor in the fact that you're not paying for gym membership right now that also adds to this so realistically i'm spending maybe like a hundred or so dollars to rent gym equipment and i'm completely fine with that because first of all i don't know how long this entire thing is going to last and yeah. second of all even when the gyms do open i'm not going to go right away yeah you know i'm not going to be that crazy because I have, you know, like my parents over here as well. And there's a lot of people that's going to be going to the gym. So mm -hmm. for at least two months, I imagine things, when things begin to settle down, I'll reevaluate. But considering all things, man, I was so happy when I touched the barbell mm. and just that feeling of putting the barbell to your chest and exploding back up, doing bench, doing incline bench, doing squats, overhead presses, but also um mixing in the stuff that i learned from calisthenics yeah. so while i'm doing chest press because obviously the weight is not going to be as heavy as i would like it to be i have uh, 70 pounds right now i recently just got um an additional 70 pounds but as of right now i only have 70 pounds so with that you know you're not going to be doing you're not going to be doing too much heavy lifting it's going to be a lot of high rep range stuff so what i did was okay let me keep this you know similar rep range but superset it with Hindu push-ups or superset it with incline push-ups or superset overhead press with handstand push-ups or assisted yeah. handstand push-ups. Those are the type of things that I found was so valuable with my time with calisthenics. But I'm one of those guys that caved, man. I, I caved. I had to do it. And um, it, it's it's become a sort of addiction for me where I want to just keep adding more equipment to my home gym because I already had an elliptical from before. Yeah. I have a treadmill from before. Now that I have this bench, I'm like, huh, I wonder if I add like a lap pull-down machine 
things like that where it's just like you know it might not be completely necessary but it's kind of like an yeah. addiction because you can make it yours and so personal to the way that you want to make it so we're know. first of all congratulations that's huge thank you thank um, you um also i did did notice the flexing when you said yeah i only have 70 pounds i mean that's not a lot of weight so i'm, <laughs> I'm out here punching the air you know um <laughs> whatever it might be but that, that's huge man i'm really happy for you so my brother and i were talking about this this weekend and he, i mean he was saying he's like so he's kind of like you know planning on building a home gym uh in his new place right he's thinking he's like okay what would i need how much would it cost i can spec it out myself and all those things and then the way he's thinking about it is similar to the fact that like a lot of the same things that you said it's about like we don't know when this is going to end we don't know how long this is going to go on and then the cost factor of it is like huge so like he and unum are each paying like you know close to like 500 a year for their gym membership right yeah. that's what it comes out to after tax and everything thousand dollars a year i mean even if you're specking out your ideal perfect home gym comes out to like what three four thousand dollars or something like that and that uh, like, I, mean, I know the yeah. prices man yeah. that will get you yeah. the most perfect rig yeah like you need nothing else it'll give you the yeah. top of the line squat stands yeah. or whatever you won't need you won't you'll, need much you'll else. get your full set of weights you'll 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 you know you create the sub floor the, the the floor everything insulated all and like you can get everything there. And it's like, yeah, that is a lot of money not to discount it. But I mean, that's also only like three years of your gym membership. And yeah. if you're building a home gym, you don't need to renew your gym membership. And in three years, it's already paid for itself now. And on top of that, it's it's the um, like the intangible stuff as well. Yeah. Right. Like the idea that, OK, I'm using this and I can I don't have to wait in order to get my uh, next set in. Yeah. Uh, especially in Good Life Heartland. There's only three benches there. I and mean, I was like one of those 18, 18 sets. Like you're one of those guys. So how, I'm many, proud sets of you got how many sets you got left, bro? Uh, 13. What? <laughs> that happened. That happened way too many times. I feel like right after you know, my technique is I say that super quietly. I'll be like, somebody asks me how many sets I have. I'll be like, oh, I have um eight. But you can join in if you want. You can join in. And then they're like, oh, hell no. Nah. Hmm. That weight is way too heavy. That's way too much weight for me to handle. Yeah, oh, well. I doubt it, but like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the intangible stuff as yeah. well. So now I'm literally just like always looking at new equipment just to see what else I can find. I already have a lot. Like I have a pair of dumbbells that I can use. Um, but you know, adding things like a mirror because obviously gym selfies are a thing. And even if it's yeah. a home gym, you've got to take them. So I'm using my, um, parents's dresser mirror right now. It's a really big oh, okay. one. And then I put that on top of a couch. So that way, like when I'm doing like overhead press or something, I can like really like see myself go. Yeah. I'm realizing now in this podcast, I must sound like I'm super vain. I'm not, I promise. I'm actually a very humble person, oh. but <laughs> But that is that is one of my uh, one of my biggest updates in terms of what I've been up to um, working on that. And man, the installation, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool and don't say anything. All right. Listen, I, I know you're going to say something like I, we know that, but don't say that. OK, we basically installed. So the way that the squat stand works is you have two kind of like these two rods. You have one that's for the left and one that's for the right because you have another rod that goes in between. That way you can rest the bench for it to be flat or on an incline. So tightening these bolts up, you need a wrench. Like you need to make sure that it's really tight and secure because you don't want it moving around. So anyways, we tighten it up. My dad helps me out. 
And then by the end of it, I realized, oh, now I'm just going to put this rod in. It's good to go. Only to realize I put left in the right stand and right mm. in the left stand. So now the rod can't go anywhere, right? Because there's like a little hole for it yeah. to go through. I'm like, yeah. God damn it. I was Those so focused. Holes facing the outside. Nice. Exactly. I was so focused on looking at um, another part of the, uh, of the stand that I didn't realize that. So I had to, un- you know, I had to loosen it. Get my dad to help me again because he had to go out. I was just like, God, everything was so perfect until this happened. Yeah. So when it was installed, though, finally, I oh my, I went off with the benching, man. I was like, let me just keep benching away. And it was great. I loved it. I'm really happy for you, man. That's great news. And yeah, like you said, this is this could just be the new thing. Maybe you never end up going back to the gym, right? Maybe because yeah. the the convenience, the comfort of, you know, doing a home workout. I mean, that's unrivaled, right? Like there are a lot of days where uh, when I was going to the gym, it was like, you know what? I'll just do yoga instead because I can just get it done in 45 yeah. minutes. I don't need to like change. I don't need to go out, drive there like 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back. All that stuff adds up the time for waiting in between and stuff like that. I mean, I think I, I would say that like, you know, some people might even miss the social aspect of it, but you at the gym, you were always in your own zone. Like when I, whenever I saw you headphones in, like you were there for like a singular purpose and like, yeah, you, you wouldn't like be rude. You'd still talk to people when you ran into them, but it's not like you would go there for the conversation. Right. Definitely a huge part of going to the gym is a social aspect. No, no doubt about it. I find that after going there so consistently, I've met a lot of good people there and it becomes a sort of community. Right. So there's a lot of people there when you see them, you know, like you dap them up, you ask them how their lifts are going. And um, but you're, you're right. Primarily, I had my earphones in because I'm there to train and not to just work out. Um, and I think there's a difference between the two. When you're training, you're really focusing on getting something done and you're in and you're out uh, versus working out, which can be seen as just going through the motions. You know, you lift this way, you know, you'll meet, you maybe leave a couple of reps, reps in the tank. You could have pushed yourself harder. But for me, I really want to come out completely beaten, let my muscles recover, then go back into it again. So um, with that being said, I find that um, I get to do that a lot more. And um, I will say this. So with the home gym, you really it really does test your um, your mental strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is you need to push yourself because it comes within yourself to a certain extent. When you see a bunch of people around you, you do get this push where you're able to be like, Oh shit, there's like, you know, like people, let me just try to do as much as I can. Or a classic example of this is I notice that when I have a spot, I'm a lot stronger. That strength doesn't change because I have some eyes on me, right? My, my fundamental strength is still there, but it's the fact that people are watching me where I'm like, Oh, well I can just get through this so much easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one thing that's definitely going to be a bit of a hurdle with a home gym, but it comes down to me because I know I have a huge passion for it and I want to see my body transform and change. And um, that comes down to me. So hopefully I am able to kind of keep that same mental strength that I did build at good life and bring that over to this home gym here. Damn. Good life's really punching the air with all these home gyms (laughs) that are being made. It's, it's like that soldier boy man. It. They took my whole flow word for word, <laughs> bar for bar, legit bar for bar. They just took it all, man. Man, um, cooking has definitely taken a halt. I'm not gonna lie. I think the last thing that I did make was fajitas. Yeah. Um, and you know that was fun because I I had the kid and I just I had the everything. It's just a matter of actually making it. 
And uh, it was pretty decent. Um, made the mistake of putting an entire chicken breast there, which was like five pounds just on the pan. Yeah. So cooking that took like 38 and a half days. <laughs> um, but besides that, it's taken out just because, man, I have like seven people in this house right now. My cousins, I have my, my own parents and all of that. And so they're all helping out with like iftar food. And yeah. you know, iftar food for, for, for our cuisine. It's a lot of fried stuff and mm-hmm. I don't like it, but you know, you got to nibble from time to time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. because of that, it's so difficult for me to make my own things that I want to make. I know that sounds like an excuse and it absolutely is. Um, I've just been focused on some other things that like cooking has taken a bit of a halt, but I do want to go back. Um, you know, what I was thinking about recently was I want to make things like a beef Wellington or like a risotto, like shout out Gordon Ramsay. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? I want to make things like that just to say that I made it. And it's, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's very difficult, but it's just one of the things like, I'm sure a YouTube video can really show me how to do it. So why yeah. not give it a, give it a shot. So um, that's have, another update on have that. Have you end. ever tried those Gordon Ramsay like really creamy scrambled eggs? Like that classic video. It's got like Never. millions and millions of views on. Never on tried it actually. Yeah, so they always look disgusting because anyone who's had eggs and scrambled eggs before not like that looks at it and be like, what the hell? Like that doesn't even look cooked. That's like it's the I can see the chicken moving. Like what the hell is this? <laughs> And I and I and I gave it a shot because everyone in the comments will say like this looks awful, and then the reply will be okay. Update: I actually made these and they taste amazing. They taste the great, best things yeah. ever. So I'm like, okay, if if that can make people 180 their position like that, I want to try them out. So like a couple of weeks ago, I tried those out, and um, yeah, uh, Jay Kenji Lopez Alt has like a really good video on making those like classic creamy eggs, and like because the Gordon Ramsay video, he uses like creme fraiche. And like, buddy, I don't even know what creme fraiche is. Like, I'm gonna be honest. And like, I I'm not going out to get no damn creme fraiche right now. So, <laughs> um, I he makes it like just with like yogurt and stuff. And it was like it came out really well. And I think that's my new favorite way to have eggs, which is like weird. I mean, you you've lived with me. You know, I'm like a huge omelet guy. Like, I'd make. Yeah. You remember, like, you just come into the kitchen and I'd be cracking like six eggs. And you, oh my like, god, oh, do you want an omelet? Be like, what the hell are you doing? It's like three. What a freaking gym rats. Eight eggs. eggs. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you're such a gym rat. Did you oh. go to the gym? But ate like one. I it was, hate it was you. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a funny story. But um, did I tell the completing story on on the pod yet? Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not I don't sure, think actually. I have. I don't think I have. So so we had this term <laughs> when we were living together. It was called um, it was called completing someone, and completing someone was when you have made them like as fat as possible like you just <laughs> eating them so we'd use it we'd use it in, uh, uh, an example is we'd be eating pizza and there'd be a couple slices left and, and then ben would be like you omar just finished it and i'd be like you're trying to complete me and then, yeah. and, then and then that's what it'd be so uh, one day we we're just uh chilling i was just, like warming up some food or something in the kitchen ben ben and i think it, maybe it was sherry or maybe it was morose we're just chilling and and you're talking to i think sherry it was you're talking Dude, to and, and you're trying to convince him to eat something. You're like, yo, let's go get like menchies or something like that. And then he's like, nah, man, I'm not down or something like that. And then he's like, you're trying to complete me. And then what you said was, yeah, I've already completed Omar. You're next. And I'm just there in the background. I caught a stray for no reason. I'm like, what the hell do you mean? you bought? No, no, no. I think I think what happened Omar was so Sherry was talking about menchies, right? I think it was something like that. Like, yeah. Let's just go out. Uh, let's get some ice cream. I mean, I was fat as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't care about anybody's health. It was just, you know, like, I'm fat as hell. Let's yeah. just get fat together. That sort of feeling. 
So, and then Sherry was just like, oh, he's like, I'm not down. Um, and then, and then he's just like, to me, he's like, go, go ask Omar, right? Yeah. And then I looked at him and I said it a very rude way. I was just, man, I already completed him. I got to do that. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and the, the nonchalant way that he said it, just like off the cuff and like going back, turning back to Sherry, I'm just here warming up my food in the microwave. Like, what the hell, man? I went in on you on that. Like, listen here, you fat ball. Yeah. He, other yeah. words. I said some other words too, but and I went in on you that day. He went in. I'm just like, bruh why but then obviously i know why like you were laughing and very, that, was pissing very, me, that was pissing me off too the, the fact they were completing so for me um because we're on the topic of just weight gain in general i'll tell you yeah. one of the, my biggest motivators for getting into fitness and to get in in shape that isn't a circle um shout out to my face so i think it was at manual life i did an internship there this was in the summer of 2017 okay and um because it's such beautiful weather we're in disgusting ass Kitchener. If you're from Kitchener and you're listening to this, just I'm sorry, but you do yeah. not have a very good city. It's I hate it. It's more of a town, really. <laughs> um, and then, anyways, there's this walk that we had to do every single time for lunch, just to support charity, and you know, like it's just a way for us to get to know one another. And so, my manager really recommended that I I go and like we all just do it together. It's a team building thing. And all we have to do is walk around this park. It's a really big circle, not too, not too, not too much of a walk, really. It'd be like twenty-five minutes total, mm-hmm. and then we'd come back at the half-hour mark, finish our lunch, blah blah blah. So, anyways, we're walking, and um, my manager is probably in her sixties. She's a pretty plump chump, and um, you know, like she was just walking and and all that, and. Everybody was as well. Keep in mind, in my internship, I was probably one of the youngest people there. A lot of the people there were in their 40s and it would go all the way to high 60s. And they were just walking and getting through this getting through this park. For my fat ass, though, about halfway through, I couldn't do it. I found a park, I found a park bench at Omar. I told these boomers, these old people, to go on without me because I'm gonna take a little bit of a break. Oh my god! That's and so I sat by my lonesome, my fat just protruding out of my my tummy, and I'm just waiting until I can finally get, catch a breather again, and then finish the way back. But it didn't go the way they recommended. I went back the way that I came from because that would be a shorter way or a shorter walk. Oh my god! I don't want to do come back. My manager was already there, and um, they saw you come said, the other way. She said like. Oh, like uh, oh Ben, like uh, you know, like wh- where were you? We couldn't, we couldn't find you. I was like, yeah, I. Uh, she couldn't finish the walking, just saying it, kind of laughing in a way. And then she's just like, oh well, you know, that's pretty interesting. Like she had that kind of look in her, right? And then I picked up on that. So I'm a huge person of just self-deprecating humor. I like making fun of myself. So then I'll say something like, oh yeah, like I probably at my young age should have been able to do that myself. Um, I should probably lose some weight. And then this is what crushed me. She was just like, well, I didn't say it. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> that hurt me. Damn. I was like, God That's damn, so that was sad. the push I needed. That was the push I needed. That's so I'm sad. Saying. And now, jacked, baby. Just, mm. sorry. But, but I'm not vain, guys. But I'm, but I'm not vain. I'm not vain. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have okay. any more embarrassing stories? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I have a similar fat story to, to share um 
So there again goes back to to Waterloo. Um, there's this restaurant that probably closed down by now. But either way, if it's not if it's open, I still probably wouldn't recommend it um, because it really went downhill after like the first couple of years over there. Do you remember the works, Ben? Yeah, um, the works. It was like right on University Avenue, University. Yeah, 12, yeah, I think yeah, it was. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the works used to be really good. Like they had some really good burgers. We'd uh, we'd go there pretty regularly in first year, uh, Sherry and I. Uh, and it became a bit of a tradition. So in my program, we'd have these. Um, uh, they were like networking events where these firms and these companies, in an effort to boost campus recruiting, would would come to Waterloo, and a few of their employees would mix and mingle with you know, the students and you'd hope to exchange business cards and they always really, really sucked. I hate Waterloo students. You got to love them. I hated these networking events. Anyways, Sherry and I uh, formed a bit of a tradition in first year and we kept it going. So I think this was around second year. So it must've been like 2015 or something, 2015, 2016. We swung by the works uh, and this was one of our last times going there because it really started to go downhill after this. We'd always grab the works on the way back. So we'd walk back from campus We, because uh, our place was literally right across the street. We'd stop by at the works and then we'd go back home and then we'd eat. And and like, yeah, you know, we we liked our food. We ate a lot of food. Like no one could fault us for that. Okay, yes, you could fault us for that. But yes, some may say the best way to describe us was gluttony. If you had to use one of the seven <laughs> deadly sins, perhaps gluttony was the one that you'd use for us. So uh, we'd, we'd always eat in excess, you know, we'd grab two, two and a half meals, like enough for like one person. We'd, we'd grab like two or two and a half times that amount. And, and, you know, we, Sherry and I kind of always egged each other on. It was always like, what, you're going to get a regular, get a large. He'd be like, all right, fine. But you'd better get one too. It'd be like, all right, fine, let's do it. And then, and then that's how it kind of went from there. So we go to the works and at this point it's been sold. It's under new management. So all the people that we were used to, that we kind of became friends with that would work there. They weren't there anymore. It was it. They'd been replaced by you know new employees and everything, and we were given them a shot. So we go there. We we place our order, and the store's empty. There's no sorry. The restaurant. The restaurant's empty. There's no one in it because they're gonna close in about an hour or something on a weekday. We place our order. A lot of food again, and we we walk off to the side. We start watching the TV, just standing around while while our order is being prepared, and we overhear the the cook because because the person who took the order. She goes and then tells the cook like, oh, yeah, this is what you got to make, you know, this many burgers and stuff. She tells the cook and we overhear the cook like laughing with her, looking up at us, looking down at the order, laughing. And then I swear to you, the cook says, you really think, do you really think they're going to eat all of this? And then they're both (sighs) laughing. And then Sherry and I like, what were we supposed to do? It was so embarrassing. (sighs) The store's oh empty. God. There's not even music playing to drown it out. Like we could hear clearly what they're saying. And we're just, we're just, we've already paid. We're just standing around waiting for our food. The guy makes our burgers, asks us what <laughs> toppings we want. And we're just sitting there like tears rolling down our face. We're like, could I get extra grill sauce on the side? Like saying, no, he's like putting it in the for us. We grab our food. We just go and we just eat in, in pure sadness. Like it was pretty good, but like, man it was it was it was that's the worst in it isn't it i it, that reminds me of like that reminds me of this joke that louis ck said about cinnabons yeah uh, he's basically said that <laughs> so funny i'm not gonna do the joke justice but everyone search up louis ck cinnabon and it's the funniest thing basically what he says is just like you know nobody's happy at the cinnabon line 
You know what I mean? Like everybody's just mad. <laughs> they're <laughs> mad and angry that they're there at this disgusting place to eat 800 calories worth of a sweet pastry. Everybody's just, nobody's happy eating yeah. this cinnamon. Yeah, but it tastes so good that you ignore it. But you're, everyone's everyone's just so sad about it. That reminded me. That reminded me of that man. That's so funny, bro. I was so hurt. They were laughing. They were looking up at us, looking down at the order, and laughing and saying, "Do you really think they could eat that much, or do you, you really know, think they're gonna eat this all?" Oh the the most embarrassing things for me is yeah. when you least expect it. Okay. So you know, in that case, it's just like you didn't expect someone like that to say that to you right yeah like, you know, make my food and shut your ass up <laughs> so i was at uh um good life with my buddy i think it was morose actually and um there were two other people that we knew from you know like i knew the guy from middle school and then the other guy morose knew from university so this you know my friend from middle school very very sweet guy one of the nicest people you can meet very genuine very passionate about his field a very good guy to talk to and sometimes we would see each other at the gym and you know just just talk or whatever and it became very consistent because i would see him and his buddy maybe five or six times in a week the same amount of times i mean go and um there was one instance where my middle school friend came but my um, Rose's university friend, he wasn't there. Okay. Okay. And he's a pretty big guy, right? He's like, a, you know, not necessarily as big as I was, like in terms of fat. He was not as fat as me. But, you know, he was pretty, he was, he was up there. He was definitely pushing the scale. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. We've all but been then. So then Morosa um, and I come up to my middle school friend and I'm just like, oh, hey, like, um, good to see you. You know, we're just talking for a little bit and then the conversation goes on and on. And it's like, oh, hey, um, so-and-so, like, where's, where's the big man? Where's the big guy? Yeah. And then the sweetest guy, the nicest person I know, right? Because of how nice he is. He's just like, like, you're the big guy. You are the big guy. Oh, I'm like, oh, self-image oh. shattered completely, completely. That was the biggest serving of humble pie that I've ever gotten because he's right. I'm fat as shit, but I'm calling another person big. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, huh? huh well, what? No, mm-mm. Nope. Not, not you. Yeah. I know you ain't talking. That's the most classic example. I know you ain't talking. <laughs> so that got my ass real good as well. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's humbling. It's like me in first year when Cherry uh, and Moroz would ask me about fitness advice and stuff like that. And then I stopped. They stopped coming to me for advice in like second and third year when I started getting fat. The little things. It's the little, the little things, things that like, you don't. Huh. I'm like, you didn't you didn't ask me. You you, you went and you went and asked your other friend. I, I could have helped. Right here, I'm just eating my eight eggs. I'm eating like a bodybuilder. I'm just not working out like one, and that's fine. Oh man. But I'm glad we both went through because we're both through it now. And I swear to God, if you say I'm not through it yet, our fat phase, you know, we got it out of the way. We know each other so well that we know what the other person's thinking right when we say it. Okay. It's it's because this group, man, these these guys are hyenas. They're scavengers just biting at whatever insult that they can get. And if you leave yourself exposed, see, if right there, I was to say, yeah, I'm so glad I'm through my uh, fat fat phase. Then we'll be like, what do you mean you're through it? 
Oh, yeah, you're through it, man. Yeah. I want to set it exactly like that as well. Yeah. I want to set it exactly like that as well. I'm I'm so defensive. I'm so defensive that um I I remember like at, at these this friends group has like ruined me. I I one of the first days when I returned back to work in October, my hair was a lot shorter cuz you know I, I, than it is now. I I've been growing it out for much longer than uh, a coworker sees my hair and he's like, "Oh, long hair, you know? I've always wanted long hair." Like and then I'm like, "Oh, damn, like uh yeah, you know, it's it's been a journey." He's like, "Yeah, you know, in high school I tried, but I could never get it, get it past the awkward face." And then it's just quiet. And he's just looking at me. And then I'm like, "Shit." And then he's like, "Yeah, but it's a good, but it's a good thing you're through that already." I'm like, "Oh, thank God, because right there would be a perfect opportunity to say like, yeah, man, I could never get past the awkward phase. Just keep going. You're almost there, man." Yeah. <laughs> I'm so like, man, Omar, you actually got through so much. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, I don't know what those guys' name is, but when Omar was going through that awkward phase with his hair, his hair, his hair is lush, isn't great now. Oh, are you talking about when we're at the rap, rap scheme? No, I, I, I don't know about that. I yeah. think it was just a WhatsApp group thing. When, okay. when it was at the awkward stage, and then um, I think it was myself a heartbeat. Have you watched that movie, No Country for Old Men? Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> but I think y'all send a photo. <laughs> oh, no. The main villain, he has this, it's the funniest looking hair. Because it's so slick. And it's just right up to his ear, the midpoint of the ear. And it's so slick. And there's like a middle part as well. And we kept setting that when Omar sent um, uh, like an update of his hair. Oh, my God. And then also, of course, uh, King, uh, what's his name, from Shrek. So, okay. Okay, okay. Shut the hell up. All right. Backstory for for this. So we're we're, we're at a... (laughs) We're at Celebration Square in Mississauga during the Raptors championship oh, yeah, last year. It and it's it's June, but or it's late May, early June. I'm forgetting which game exactly this was. But of course, it's Canada, so it's still cold in the evening. And it starts getting a little windy, a little chilly. My ears are getting cold. So what I do is I, I take my hair and I just cover my ears with it to keep them warm so that so the hair doesn't hit it. And then freaking Shampavi, she was there. Shimbabwe's sitting behind and I turn back to like, you know, ask for some tips or something. And she looks you're covering my ears. She's like, wait, you look just like Lord Farquaad. And then like she everyone laughs, you know, like it's done. Five minutes later, I turn back and she pulls up a picture of it on her phone. She's like, guys, look, she's next to my head. I'm like, yo, come on, man. Like yo, my cheeks hurt. I can't laugh this hard. Oh bro, my bro, God. I got called Lord Farquaad during the Raptors title run, man. <laughs> At the WhatsApp group, we just kept sending photos of Lord Farquaad. So, so this is why I'm always on edge. And this is why Ben and I, anytime we say something that might expose ourselves to insult, we always say, like, yeah, don't say it. I know. Yeah, I know what the hell you're Because say. that's the most satisfying. You take away the joke from somebody because like yeah. you acknowledge it. Yeah. If you acknowledge your own faults, you know, like so Omar, feel free to bring up your weight. If you acknowledge your own faults, I can't say anything about it. I actually hate you so much. The inverse of the uh, Eminem uh, eight mile. Yeah, is the inverse. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right. Here I'm gonna pass the mic to you, but make sure you talk about this, this, and this. And you're like, yo, what the hell, man? Like, oh my goodness, man. There's a, uh, there's so many. There's so many embarrassing stories that we can yeah. share of one another. It's just a matter of what because there are some stories that will completely change your perception 
of of us. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know was, what I mean? So I was having trouble thinking of some embarrassing stories when you had mentioned, you know, before the pod, just like, oh, yeah. maybe we could share some embarrassing stories. I think that might be cool. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I haven't done anything embarrassing. And then the more I talk to you, the more I realize <laughs> there's a lot I probably don't want getting out there. <laughs> Oh man, has there been anything else that you've been up to in the uh, in the uh, quarantine or quarantine? Um, yeah, you know, I'm kind of uh, this has been uh, eating away at me, but I'm I'm kind of sad that no one tagged me in this Bill Clinton meme. You know, <laughs> like, come on, like seriously, no one. Like, I'm right here you because know? your top three is Coldplay, freaking, I don't know, The Killers, and Green Day. Nobody wants to see that on Bill Clinton. I walk this lonely road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you even know that song. I, knew we, I have that on my phone right now. Uh, I know you're the bigger rock guy than me, and you're talking. Keep crap. this as a this podcast is a tag right now. All right, okay. I tag you formally, Omar Shabiri, This Bill Clinton meme. For those who do not know what this Bill Clinton meme is, it's one of the only challenges that is actually pretty interesting to me. <laughs> and um, I find that a lot of people are so hard on these challenges. Like, oh, why are you doing this? Shut up. All right, just shut up. Shut your mouth. Either be a part of it, but don't think you're better than somebody because you're not doing this challenge after somebody tags you in. You're not cool. All right. Let me just get that out of the way. So I did participate in it. So I'll start off with my top four yeah. and then I'll give you, you know, you can give your own. Um, my top four was at number one where Bill Clinton's actually holding the vinyl. It's a Slim Shady LP. I don't need to give much of an explanation on this one. We've talked about it in one of our earlier episodes. I don't know if it was episode three or four, but we do talk about Eminem's discography and Slim Shady LP is just one of those albums. It's perfect. It, it captures the character so well. His um, his other, you know, like his alter ego of Slim Shady. It's funny lyrics, good production, and it's just a lot of a lot of interesting punchlines that I love listening to. Was that your first? Something? Was that your first Eminem album that you got exposed to? I'm not sure when in when you started listening to him. Like if you, if that was an album you went back into his discography for. The first album that I listened to was Curtain Call the Hits. Okay. Um, it was either Curtain Call the Hits and then it was actually Encore because this was around 05. And I remember the ending track, like the Encore title track on that album is still one of my favorite Eminem tracks. It's just, I'm a guy who likes bass. I love bass and drums. And you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just one of those things. And some Shady LP had a lot of it. Yeah. So I remember listening to it, searching it up on YouTube in the late 2000s. And hearing like, you know, like I'm shady, which is one of my favorite tracks because the bass is just pumping and the lyrics are so funny. Like I'm actually laughing as I'm listening to the lyrics or like a lot of them are so clever, but then it also counterbalances itself with songs like rock bottom or if I had where it really hit too hard. One of my favorite lyrics, I said this before, but with rock bottom, it's like when you know, when you've been to rock bottom, you'll know exactly what Emma's talking about. He says, when you're mad enough to scream, but you're sad enough to tear. When you have both those feelings combined, that's rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's obviously subjective to everybody, but I've personally hit rock bottom before in my life. And so I knew what that meant. And it resonated so hard with me. And songs like, you know, you just don't give a F or still don't give a F. Those kind of songs also give this confidence in you, which is a huge way that I live right now where I just don't care or I try my best not to. 
And it's songs like that or that album. It's really helped a lot for my own character, which yeah. is why I love the album so much. So I won't go too much into it because I've already taken some time when I, th- when I thought it was going to be short and sweet. But that was one of my albums that I had on there. All right. What was next? Um, another album that I had on there was um, DMX. Um, because okay, obviously I didn't listen to oh. I didn't listen to some of his albums. I'm but sorry, Ben. You kind of you kind of liked out there. Could you say it once? Oh, more? did I? Yeah, yeah. It was DMX's greatest hits. Okay, okay. Uh, and the reason why it's the greatest hits in particular and not one of his albums like Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, or It's Dark and Hell is Hot. I did listen to those albums, but it was the greatest hits that I have the most memories with. Mm, okay. And again, it also helped a lot with my personality because I love just aggressive hype music. That's always been my thing. And it's going to continue to be my thing. I just love it so much. Hardest rap. So I had that as one of my albums. Hell yeah. yeah. And uh, X is one of those guys. It's all aggression, you know, songs like One Road to Cross or Flesh of My Flesh, Blood, Blood, Me, Stop Being Greedy. So many of these greatest hits. I remember going to my CD player um, in New Jersey and um, constantly just having that album on repeat. So. I feel like I am lagging a little bit, so I am going to leave the meeting and come join back again. So just give me All one good. second, Omar, while I reconnect. All good. We're doing it live. So you know what? Let me use this time to just talk about uh, how you can help support this podcast. The uh, first and uh, the best way to do it is, you know, just continue listening, continue listening, continue tuning in. We drop new episodes every single week and just stay plugged in with what we're doing. Uh, just sorry. Just give me a second. Gonna bring Ben back into the meeting. So continue listening to to the podcast. Uh, that's the best way to support it. Other than that, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the session ball. And gonna get Ben back in here like that. Awesome. Oh, I'm full screen now. Great. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the session ball. Other than that, make sure you subscribe on whatever listening platform you're listening to. And, you know, recently we've kind of upped our video production too. So I highly recommend it. If you haven't already check us out on YouTube, you know, uh, go over to our YouTube channel, uh, the session, a basketball podcast, you know, the name of our show, uh, go over and subscribe on that and watch on that. I think it's going to be a pretty enjoyable experience. You're going to be able to see both of us. You're going to be able to see us lagging in and out of the calls as we, you know, adjust to, to this new norm. We have a new template we're excited to debut. You'll probably see it on this episode as well. I think it's going to be a pretty good experience. So, you know, make sure you come out over to our YouTube, you know, like, comment, subscribe, uh, ring the notification bell. I don't know what the new YouTubers say nowadays, but do all that fun stuff and make sure you support us there. Uh, I see that Ben has rejoined. Thank you for uh, returning and not leaving me here all alone to do the rest of the pod. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Imagine just me conversation. It's like, all right, dude, I gotta head out. It's happened a lot during League of Legends and Call of Duty, but man for really podcast, does not be want my man really does not want my Bill Clinton <laughs> albums. He's just like, all right, I'd rather just leave than listen to this guy. <laughs> so. Continuing on with that, though, I don't know how much you've listened, but basically this yeah. DMX Greatest Hits thing, I had it on my CD player. I listened to it over and over again. I remember it in New Jersey, and it just gave such a New York, New Jersey feel to it. This is a very, very like special experience for me, which is why I always go back to it. And absolutely, when I'm hitting weights, I got to listen to some X. 
Um, in terms of some more recent stuff, though, I had Take Care. Drake's oh, Take yeah, Care is that. one of my favorite albums of all time. I think it's a complete body of work. And anybody who doesn't who likes Drake but doesn't like Take Care is objectively wrong. Yeah. There's no opinion on that. If you like Drake and you don't like Take Care, you are wrong. And go listen to um, Scorpion and you know do your dance moves. But if you don't like Take Care, you're something's wrong with you. Um, I also had, I believe. Um, um, I want to say it was the Black Album by Jay uh, mm, yeah. that I had as well, which is a huge part. I remember that just being early 2000s. Everybody was listening to Moment of Clarity, 99 Problems, and uh, Encore, and especially the interlude. That was something else. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Hove. Oh, H to the OV. I can say the entire thing, man. But top four albums all had a something did it where they you know it had a really profound impact on me yeah um i was gonna add some chili peppers because i know i love the chili peppers in the early 2000s but i think these albums had a little bit more of an impact on me so definitely a hip-hop head uh, regardless yeah. of everything an old an old head hip-hop head kind of an thing. old head hip-hop yeah. head it's definitely that you have that lean that tilt towards uh towards those old old tracks but you know i respect it that's pretty good all right. You so got? since you've been waiting and everyone's been waiting, here's my here's my uh, Bill Clinton top four. I didn't actually realize that you had to place them in order. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. Um, it doesn't have to. I feel like, yeah. from what I've noticed, I feel like the one that Bill Clinton is holding, I feel like that's the one that you like the most. I could be wrong. Though. I might have completely misinterpreted it. So don't worry about order. No, you know, I, I can give the one. I can give the one. And it's 808s and Heartbreak. It's yeah. my favorite Kanye album. You know, again, we've talked about it. Go back and listen to our Kanye album ranking uh, episode. We, we went through all of this, but it had such a formative uh, impact on me. I go back to it every single winter, like clockwork, no matter what, I'll always listen to that album in the winter. And if an album can do that to me, that like, I don't know how long it's been since he's, since he's released it. It's, it's gotta be more than a decade. Uh, that was in the 80s when it came out. So yeah. it'd be 12 years now, 12 years. There we go. 12 years. And I consistently go back to that album every single year. Then that, that's what it's gotta be. Uh, again for me complete body work love every single track on it um and i'm just sad we never got a, a full version of you know pinocchio um oh pinocchio story but but in some ways like i'm kind of glad that that's the version that we have on the album right you know like mm. we don't need a studio version in some ways so that's 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 got to be like my top my favorite album and then from there in no particular order I have coexist uh, by the XX. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've listened to their music. They had a self titled album. It was their debut album. I think. That's the one that I really enjoyed the most. Right? Yeah. It had hard skip to beat and the intro. Intro, which is a freaking classic, classic. That classic. So dun, I had, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> come on, man. You're gonna ruin it for me. <laughs> uh, honestly, I loved uh, their their self titled album. Um, and I was considering putting that on here instead of coexist and i love it when an artist can drop a date a sequel to their debut work and really make me reevaluate damn what do i like more i mean for me uh kendrick did that when he dropped uh to pimp a butterfly and you know because i had that over good kid mad city and i know good kid mad city wasn't his first album but for me that's that's like really profound where i don't hang on to like nostalgia or anything like that it's more so like damn this really made me step away from all that nostalgia and evaluate just as a you know, unique body of work. So coexist. I think what I like most about that album is start to finish is a, there's a thread that you can follow a narrative story. And, you know, it's like a sad love song and everything like that. 
But I, I mean, I, I, I like it. I, I feel how often in my life I've been in moments where I felt uh, the way that music makes me want to feel. So it's good. It's like a good reflection of my mood, similar to, I guess, what you're talking about where Eminem's uh, track rock bottom and stuff like that, right? Like you've been in positions where sometimes you feel that way. And, yeah. and that's how Coexist makes me feel. So I, that I definitely put up there. Um, then I, uh, you know, I got to show some love to 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 my roots. I have Linkin Park on this with Hybrid Theory. Can't even get and, mad at that. Hybrid yeah. Theory is one of those albums that every every yeah. South Asian kid, yeah, has Linkin Park somewhere in their childhood. Yeah. Um, it's 100%. just got to have it. And and similar to you, Hybrid Theory wasn't my first exposure to Linkin Park. I mean, I started listening to Linkin Park because of Numb and, you know, In the End and like all the tracks off uh, like um, Meteora and, and all that stuff. And I really like that album as well. But going back to it, Hybrid Theory just has so many classics and it's like so many different sounds. It has a lot of the yelling and screaming that I that I like that, uh, that I still do. But there's so many different sounds and stuff like that and emotions that I really like Hybrid Theory. I've got to put that one up there. Um, and and I, I just listening back to it, you can't help but get, you know, like teary eyed and think think yeah. about, you know, Chester, Chester. And, and, and everything and how the world was really like robbed too soon. Right. So that album really helps me reconnect. And it's eerie going back and listening to a lot of the lyrics now from Linkin Park, knowing what we know now and given everything that's happened. Absolutely. Um, so that, that'll always hold a special place in my heart. And then, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, I have 808s on here, but you would think like, I don't really have like my, my rap album here, you know, and, and it's gotta be the documentary by the game. I, mm. I, I thought of, I considered a lot of different op- options. You know, I love Lupe Fiasco's the cool, yeah. but the documentary, I mean, again, it had such a profound impact on me. I must have been, I don't I don't know how old I was, but I, uh, my brother, I think he got an MP3 player. So his old CD player he gave to me. So I would open that up and I'd have a burned copy of the documentary that, that this was like one of maybe two CDs that I had. I would yeah. put that in there and I just listened end to end. You know, those big hard buttons that you'd click to hit next track. Yeah. There'd be a little scroll on the side of the thing to turn up the volume for volume. the yeah. oh, the little wheel. The yeah, little the thin uh, ass the wheel. little black wheel, the thin one on the side. And then you just close you'd close it. And I'd put on my my headphones, these rickety headphones, and I would listen to this end to end. And when I was first listening to it, I mean, I'm listening to start from scratch. I have no idea what any of this stuff means. Could you imagine like six, seven-year-old me listening to start? If I could start from scratch, I wouldn't change it. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Definitely. Me, me at seven years old, if I could start from scratch, you know, go back to... <laughs> if go I back could to- start from seven years ago, what would I do? <laughs> but th- that album made me develop a passion for rap music that, I mean, it's the reason why it's still my favorite genre right now, right? It's that album sparked that in me. I go back to it and I, and I listen to it and it's such a good album. There are no skippable tracks for me. And, and the fact like the range and that West coast vibe that, that I was, I guess that I really needed at that time. And uh, because there was a lot of like, you know, East coast influence that a lot of East coast rap that I was listening to and stuff like that. And I didn't grow up on Tupac, right? Like Tupac was before my time. And of course, like, yeah, you know, you listen to songs here and there, you listen to all the classics, but that's who got me into West Coast rap. So I, I always got to hold it down for the game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was Old English one of your favorites? Old English was, but that's actually yeah. off Doctor's Advocate. That's, oh, that's okay. Off, that's okay. Off okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got that. Yeah. I remember I something about Old English. English and Omar. Like, I remember yeah. you really liking that. Yeah. My, I think my, my, 
favorite uh, track off the documentary. I mean, there's so many. It's so hard to choose because there's like sometimes I'm in a West Side Story mood. Sometimes I'm in like, you know, the documentary or like if I'm feeling we ain't. But it's probably got to be uh, Dreams. I don't know if I don't know if you remember, um, but just the, the production on, on on Dreams, it was mind blowing. And I and I love I, I'm trying to remember. Did Kanye produce? Dreams? it sounds if, if you were yeah, to, I, think, I, I would bet my did. money that it was kanye that produced yeah. it i, I would is, bet a lot of money on that which just ties it all together i mean for me like that right there is is my taste in music i mean dreams right there that's a perfect track to describe mm. um but yeah that's my uh bill clinton uh four album uh ranking i mean even though no one tagged me and no one asked but like you know they're not I, I i i asked you right now and yeah you did and it, you know what it's it's definitely a uh it's a pretty big range yeah. you know it's not strictly hip-hop it's not strictly r&b or whatever like you have you know like you have uh, a pretty big range going on there so i think that's that's good it shows your variety and it sh- it definitely says which is why i like this challenge in the first place because it is interesting to be like Oh, I didn't know that this person who is a liberal arts major listens to Easy E. Yeah. Stuff like that confused, and it was so cool to have conversations about them. Like, oh, I didn't know you listened to this album. What do you think about so and so? Yeah. So I love challenges like this, and it's a lot of fun to keep things going like that, right? So, man, I'm I love it. One one thing I noticed is so many albums people picked were like you know those formative albums that they listened to when they were younger, and, right. and that's crazy how. Right. I mean. It's been decade. It's been years and years, maybe even decades, since some of these albums were dropped, and they're still, you know, in this top four hanging or whatever. Yeah, it's still hanging on to it. It's crazy. Like, are we gonna have the same albums five years from now, ten years from now? And I, yeah. and even if we do, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I don't think of myself as someone who doesn't appreciate modern music, right? Like, I mean, I, I still have a shit. Drake dropped. Uh, a, a mixtape and, and i'm i'm still yeah. listening to that i really like a lot of the songs there it's not deep even pockets that, like, yeah. we gotta do like a deep dive on that yeah Maybe on why the next not episode. why not Let's do yeah. it i mean in, talk in, about it in preparation for him dropping a, a studio album in the summer i mean that's mm-hmm. gonna be dope so it's it's good like um i i don't think there's anything wrong with hanging on to these albums you know like going forward into the years i think it's gonna be cool like i'm excited to like introduce my kids to some of this music right and like get their take on it like i want my kid to be seven years old listening to the documentary like what are your thoughts what do you think he meant when he said uh if i could start from scratch that's good stuff um you know before we get into the basketball stuff i i i have to say like i uh finished god of war uh so i finished that game and um incredible game uh, gameplay was fantastic. Uh, Kratos and all these characters who you 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 grow up to love and all that. It's 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 a really immersive experience, and you have Atreus there as well, who's like your who, who is your son, and having this father son dynamic really adds a lot to the game. Um, so I saw it, let me borrow it, and uh, it's incredible. Again, as I said before, the gameplay is fantastic. The graphics are great. The storytelling is great. However. And this is when the Benyasid rant comes in. Okay, I'm excited. God of War, what are you doing with that ending? Now, without giving too many spoilers away, because obviously this is a spoiler-free podcast, and I want a lot of people to play this game. Myself But it ended so abruptly, it came out of nowhere. You're expecting... 
the way that they tease, you know, one of these main bosses, you're expecting that you're going to be fighting a bigger boss. I'm not going to say much else, but you're expecting to fight something a lot bigger. And you're left with a boss battle that was really cinematic and fun, but it felt so little compared to what I know this game was capable of. Mm. So when I'm at the final scene and I'm doing what I have to, and I see the credits rolling in, I'm like, are you kidding me? This was the ending to such a fantastic game. This was the ending. This is how you decided to do it. All of a sudden, they're just like, oh, I have no idea what to do. Um, let me just pull this in and that in, and then let's just set it up for... I hate games and movies that are set-up movies or set-up games. Yeah, I understand that they want to continue on with a certain mythology. That's completely fine by me. But make a satisfying ending. Don't leave it at this certain battle, and then that's it. It's annoying, it's lazy, and it's poor writing for a game that deserves a lot better. And leading up to this, I understood why people said that this was game of the year over Red Dead Redemption 2, which I hold very, very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. But after finishing the game, I realized that Red Dead Redemption 2 is my game of the year because they, could, they, they had a too much of a setup. That ending it was too much of a. I know we can make five more expansion of this, uh, five more expansion of this game, and that pissed me off. It was yeah. lazy, and they could have done a lot better with it. I mean, uh, a perfect. So I, I haven't played the God of War games. It's something that I, that I've always wanted to do. But a perfect. I, I don't know if you watch the show. Uh, uh, it, it, Power. Have you seen it? Um, uh, I've seen a couple show? episodes, but yeah, yeah so, seen a couple. Episodes, I mean, yeah. the ending was entirely like the entire last season, which it was a really good show, you know, leading up to this. But I hated this last season because their whole goal with this last season was end it in such a way where we can have like three different spinoff series is going, and that's literally what it is. At the and the final episode, they tease each different series. They're like, oh, here's what this person goes out to do. This person leaves to another part of the country and does this, and this person grows and does this. And it's like, I don't care about any of that. Like that once that one episode, that one final episode, that one final season made me never watch any of those spin-off series. It's, it's like you didn't mm. gain an audience, you lost audience by doing mm. that, right? By by doing that. And and I don't know how the how the specifics of the God of War one, maybe you'll still end up playing because it's only like setting up for one. But when Power did it, it felt so cheap because it was clearly a money grab where they're like, hey, let's just split it off into four different things. And it's like I don't want to watch mm -hmm. that. I'm not interested in any of this. You ruined these characters. Normally, I would care so much about this character. I'd watch anything that they did, right? But now it's like, I don't care about this character anymore. You kind of ruined what they are. I'm ruined it. Yeah. yeah. Like none of this so it certainly anymore. didn't do that for me, but I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I just hate setups. I'm just like, just finish a complete product with this one, including the ending, because we know what happens with Game of Thrones when you don't do a good ending, yeah. or when you mess up the ending. It could really take away from the entire experience because I find myself ranting to my brother about the ending rather than talking about the amazing gameplay mechanics. And I don't think that's fair to the game either. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that I feel like they could have improved on in terms of the ending, but I'm still glad I played it. I still recommend it to everybody. You might feel differently than I do. Um, I know a lot of people hundred, you know, like they did like a hundred percent. They got the 
the platinum trophy or whatever of the game. Yeah. And I think I might do that myself too because I I'm a like I like the game. It's a lot of fun to play. I'm not forcing myself to play this to finish a story. I just didn't want it to end. So it could be that, but I still feel like there's a lot to be desired. Yeah. No, it's it's fair. And that I, kind I, of and I feel like that kind of segues into um obviously what we're gonna talk about is episodes five and six of yeah. um The Last Dance. Yeah. Um in my opinion, I I'm kind of losing a little bit of my attention. Yeah. Um it was it it was it, it was really good to see like you know, like the Knicks and you know them actually having a you know a certain you know, presence uh, w- within the '90s of having a reputation of being, you know, winners and getting to that, getting to that um, status. But I couldn't find myself caring about the Air Jordans. I wanted to see more basketball. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about the gambling. I know that's a really big part of Jordan, and um, I'm sure you're going to be talking about that piece. <laughs> but with episodes five and six, I found that there was just a little bit more to be desired. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that uh, they brought up more about, you know, um, how, um, what's it called? Jordan, you know, like how Jordan just continued to be this champion type player and if there's anything that this episodes five and six did for me was get was gain a newfound respect for the second greatest player of all time which is lebron james Mm. and the reason why i have this newfound respect for him is because what he does outside of basketball doesn't even compare to what Jordan does outside of basketball. Yeah. And I think that highlighted that within episodes five and six. I forgot which episode it was. Mm -hmm. But in terms of Muhammad Ali standing up for something, yeah. Jordan just said, I'm a basketball player. And that's completely the opposite of LeBron's mindset, where it's all about being more than basketball. And I really appreciate that because his social efforts should not go unnoticed. Yeah. Yeah. He shoots 20% 20% from the clip from three, whatever. Well, Maybe mean, he's not the best in clutch moments, whatever. Yeah, more clutch shots but than Jordan. <laughs> Better three point shooter than Jordan. Than, you know, whatever. But in terms of the social aspect, I'll give LeBron that. And on top of that, seeing Kobe Bryant and seeing how even Jordan noticed that Laker boy, he's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. That said a lot about Kobe Bryant's character, you know, bless his soul. May he rest in peace. I teared Um, up, man. Jordan, at the end of the game, Jordan smacks him on the back and says, I'll see you down the road. And I teared up, man. Like, this is, it's, it's, it was really difficult, like watching episode five with, uh, with Kobe. And I I highly recommend people going, checking out just to, you know, get experience it. But um, it was difficult, you know? Um, And I'm, I'm, glad that you know they kept the footage and they didn't need to change anything and stuff like that but it's um it was it was difficult to see but overall i share similar sentiments to you like i'm starting to see this more as like jordan propaganda rather than just you know like immersive storytelling i think in the first four episodes they really had the audience hooked with the stories and the narratives and the and the and the basketball journey and all of those things but now it's like 
there's a lot of distortion of of facts and reality that that's going on. I I feel like what I'm watching is just like a lot of just Jordan propaganda, a lot of like Jordan setting himself. And I mean, he's a producer for his own documentary, of course, like it's going to be made in the way the way that he wants it. But it makes me think it's interesting. It's like been, you know, 10 years from now or 15 years from now, when we're watching the Dwayne Wade documentary, when we're watching the Steph Curry documentary, the LeBron James documentary, we're going to start noticing things where there's like, that's not actually how it happened. Like, and, and I know a lot of people are noticing that too. So like in episode six, they talk about like the Knicks series. And like for the first few games, Jordan was really bad. He was really bad, but like, they don't talk about basketball anymore. The documentary shifted away from on-court production and like what, what Jordan does on the court. It's more narrative. It's like, Oh, they go, they go down two games to the Knicks and then Jordan willed them back to a victory. Right. In game three. Right. That's all they say. But it's like Jordan shot three for 18 that game. He was awful, but they don't mention any of this. They don't talk about like trials and tribulations anymore. It's just propaganda. Jordan willed the team to victory. Jordan willed the team to victory. Um, what do you call it? John Paxson hits a clutch shot over Phoenix to 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 win the win their uh, third championship. I mean, they don't talk about any of that stuff. They don't talk about Jordan deferring or any of any of that stuff. It's just Jordan willed them to a title. And it's like what it's it, you know it's kind of similar to what you mentioned about setting up. I felt that episode five and six did a lot of setting up. For what might happen in these later episodes i mean this whole gambling this whole gambling narrative that they talked about i mean this is all just setting up for uh, explaining the break jordan couldn't handle the media pressure so he took two years off like there, did we really need that whole storyline fleshed out again is this something i mentioned i think it was on last week's episode i was looking for a more human experience i was looking for an experience where you know we could connect with Jordan more, and that doesn't mean he needs to be perfect. We could see like you know his flaws and like uh, his thought process during these games, but I don't think we got that. Um, also, I I think um, I'm just gonna send you a text, Ben. I think you're also uh, lagging out right now. If you could just rejoin. Um, But in the meantime, I'll keep talking about uh, my thoughts on the episode. So I, f- I felt that that was something that we as an audience are kind of getting robbed of. We're kind of getting robbed of that true, full experience. I mean, it would be the I, I won't be able to find a good equivalent for this now, you know, given every um, given I'm being put on the spot. But what it would be the equivalent of like, you know, LeBron James uh, having a documentary, but not talking about the importance of the Ray Allen shot like Yes, not from the perspective that Ray Allen saved me or anything like that, but that is a monumental moment in history that deserves to be talked about. But John Paxson hits a shot game over. We win, we win the game. Paxson talks about it. it's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't expecting the ball, but I got it. And and there we go. Why don't we talk about uh, Jordan? You know, like what was what was the thought process? What was he feeling in that moment? How, how was he handling the media at that time? But what I'm feeling is. Jordan is dodging those questions this now in this documentary the same way he was dodging them when the media was asking him before. Like, has he gained no greater insight in the last 20 years? So, Ben, this is uh, thanks for joining. This is something that I was mentioning where those questions around gambling and how his handling of the media and his handling of the pressure, 
Jordan is answering those questions now in present day the same way he was answering those questions back in the 90s. And that's what I'm kind of sad about. If I wanted to hear a 1992 Jordan answer, I don't have a gambling problem or uh, I have a competition problem. I'm just a freak athlete. Uh, leave me alone. I would just watch rewatch those interviews. Right. I was hoping for some added perspective. I was hoping for Jordan looking back at at stuff he did and saying like you know I was wrong for that and and he I'm not saying he needs to do that for these like quote unquote faults or if he does have a gambling problem but just talk about like you know how I treated my teammates maybe I shouldn't have done that or you know what I I am glad I treated them that way like give us something new from your position of like 20 years removed or whatever that might be 30 years removed I feel like Michael Jordan is just not a good person <laughs> like he genuinely just is not a good person like the way that he is he he's just and yeah he's like i feel like he's one of those people that have gone so uh prideful and uh egotistical that he kind of just realizes that no there's nothing i would change i'm the best player and then and you know what he's he should be glad that you know like he has the stats to back it up because that boy was crazy mm-hmm. but what i'm finding right now with this with this documentary is just like I've seen so much goat Jordan stuff. It's hard to top it. And so it's kind of just getting redundant. So it's like, oh, here we go. Another, another clutch shot. Is that weird to feel like that? I just feel like there's more to be desired. And maybe part of that is like what you said is like a looking back thing. Like I should have done this, or maybe this would have been different, whether it's off the court stuff or on the court stuff. But honestly, this is the first time in Michael Jordan, you know, watching one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time, a documentary on him. I just wish there was more. And this, these episodes are just not doing it for me. And they, they had us with Scottie Pippen. They had us with the backstory of Dennis Rodman and Jordan. But right now it's kind of like the, Oh, okay. So this is going to lead to a grand finale. And that's how these episodes, what I'm sad about, you know what I'm sad about that extra context, that, that digging deeper, what you're saying that you're missing, what you're looking for, that actually does exist in reality. Jordan could have talked about how he got his ass beat in in at the beginning of the series. He could talk about all of these uh, in the New York series um, in, uh, sorry, 90, 93, I think it was. He can talk about all of those things. He can talk about how difficult it was to play uh, against uh, Charles Barkley and all these things. He can talk about building the trust to defer to his teammates so John Paxson could hit that clutch shot to close out the finals and and they could win. He could talk about all of those things, but it would be the equivalent of what I was mentioning while you were gone is LeBron talking about, you know, winning in uh, 2012, 2013 and, and, and 2016, but not making mention of the great contributions that came, not making mention of the Ray Allen shot. Could you imagine a documentary where there, that they're going over that series or something like that. And instead of LeBron talking about any of this stuff, you just have quotes from reporters saying, and Jordan willed them to a victory. It was amazing. And all this stuff. And it's, you're like, wait, there's so much more here, right? When, and again, I don't mean to do the comparison, but when the LeBron documentary comes out, I hope they talk about how difficult it was for LeBron to get that first ring, how he failed, how he tried to form a super team, how all of those, all of these like storylines that I feel aren't getting the exposure that they need. And I mean, he had almost 30 years to to do it, right? To give some different context. But they say, Oh, Jordan, why'd you go to Atlantic City? Like, 
weren't you didn't you just lose game one and like before game two you went to the casino and then you lose game two again instead of getting hit with like yeah you know that was a really difficult time for me like i was struggling i needed some time away like even saying instead of saying that you just saying like i don't have a problem i'll go to the casino i don't care and it's like that's not really what we're looking for right just there was no no new development yeah Yeah. there's no no new development And it was just a lot of, yeah, I think you, you, what you said was perfect. Where it's just like, we could listen to an interview from 93 and it'd be the same thing that he's saying in 2020, which for somebody who's older and hopefully wiser, there would be certain things. There has to be something you would change about the way things played out. Um, even if it's talking about going three, four, uh, 18 or 13 or whatever, and talking about the fact that oh, I should have done this at this point. Or I was, as you said, getting my ass beat. It was yeah. a very physical game. And that's what really caused yeah. us to differ. Don't, don't, but, you don't need to rewrite it. You don't need to say like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd be a pass first guard or something. But just like admit to the times where you did get beat. So that's why I just had this feeling with five. I was so hype at first, but they are dragging it a little bit. I'm hoping that this is all leading to an amazing grand finale. I'll be super excited if that's the case. One thing I will say, though, is Isaiah Thomas is like the most unlikely villain of all time. (laughs) He was getting chippy with everybody. And him getting slighted in the Dream Team was so funny to me because he absolutely deserved to be there. He's a 12-time All-Star, for God's sake. Yeah, but the fact that he didn't get chosen because nobody liked him, he yeah. would create an entirely different environment over there. And I thought that was hilarious because he's like this. I don't know why I wasn't selected. He's like this sweet, nice guy. Yeah, when the cameras were on, at least. But apparently on the court, he was a complete asshole. Yeah. So that'd be very interesting. You know, I thought I found that really funny to yeah. me, at least. Like hearing that part about it. What were your thoughts on the dream team or seeing Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and all these players? Like, I, I, I what think do you think about that? I think that was great. Like seeing that side of like, that was, I think Magic said it or where it was kind of the passing of the torch where it officially happened, you know, in that practice where they talk about where Mike just took over and that dynamic with all the best players. I think it was, it was great to see. I, I mean, like I didn't watch the 92 Olympics games or anything like that growing up. So this was like my first exposure into how they played, how the team came together, the context, you know, with everything that's going on at the time and stuff like that. I, I think it was it was great to I would just love to be a fly on the locker room of like all those great players. Yeah. And you just look at the team pictures and you're like, that's crazy. And like there's going to be, I think, uh, D. Way is producing a documentary about the Redeem team. And like, I think that's going to be great. We're going to see all these players in like a different light and stuff like that. It's going to be amazing. So I really did enjoy that that facet of it, that part of it. But again, like, especially when it got to like episode six, I felt like, like you mentioned, they are dragging their feet a little and, and we'll see, you know, um, this next episode uh, is going to be interesting to see, like, you know, how they approach the whole gap year, uh, gap season uh, right. idea of, of things. And then I don't know, like, what do you think the finale is going to be? How does this end? Do you think it's going to be forward looking? Do you think it's going to be like, you know, talking about his thoughts on like, you know, his legacy and and where things went? Or do you think this is just going to be and we won the title in 98 and I retired done? He doesn't even acknowledge the wizard years. He doesn't acknowledge any of this stuff. Oh, the wizard year. Oh, uh, they were pretty. They were pretty hard on MJ for the gambling stuff. In all honesty, like they didn't paint him out to be like, oh, just like a slight 
and yet there's a gambling issue. No, they were just like, uh, what's it called? The Jordan rules, like the book or something. They mm-hmm. went at Jordan, like they were talking about that. So, I mean, that's just a part of history. I'm sure they will bring it up. But I mean, considering the documentary is called The Last Dance, yeah, and the season was called The Last Dance, they might just leave it at that. I after these episodes, I don't have faith in Jordan talking about, oh, it's so good to see players like LeBron James and players like so and so. I don't see him doing that. He doesn't give me that vibe that he would talk about that. It's kind of like a, I mean. He started this because LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers won the title in 2016. That's when he gave the go-ahead for this documentary. Considering that, I feel like it's going to be a, I'm the GOAT, I did this, look at how good I was, and that's the end of this superhero's journey, that sort of thing. I don't think there's going to be a forward-looking facet to it. it and I mean, it's it's crazy because you see some of the, in episode six, you see some of the clips of Jordan saying how, He's talking to that reporter uh, and he's saying, I want to retire when I got when I'm two years away from falling off. Like, I want to leave on my own feet. Do I think I'll miss the game? I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I won't miss it. Maybe I will miss it. But, you know, I want to leave on my own terms. And he's and he says this and then he leaves after after 98, after the last dance. But then he also comes back in the wizard years and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, right. Are we just going to ignore that? And I get it. Things change. You retire, you realize that you're not done with the game. You have more to give. You want to come back. And, and Jordan did that, but it's like, are we just going to ignore that? You very clearly in this clip talk about how you're not going to come back and you're going to leave on your own terms and all these things. And, and then you do, right. You are totally right. I was thinking about it more and more, man, this entire documentary should have been a let's look back sort of thing. Or let me give some lessons or some wisdom about how things should have changed. Yeah. You know, similar to how Kobe um, kind of explained, like with his newfound knowledge of the game, or not newfound, but like mm-hmm. of his knowledge of the game with him being a veteran and retired, bringing that knowledge back to what was being done at that time period. Mm-hmm. That, that's how this documentary should have been done. A look back with my new veteran experience what would have been different what i would have done differently that's how this documentary should be and it's more so a do you remember that talk about it Mm -hmm. instead of a let me give some lessons that really would have made this documentary goat level um so far i mean like it's only episode six there's a four there's four more episodes left but if this is how it continues, I know this gap year thing is going to take about a half a half of the episode. Just going to talk about this gap year thing, which I'm not looking to uh, looking forward to because I just want to see basketball. I want to see more highlights. I want more of a breakdown of of these pivotal playoff performances. Yeah, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm not sure. You know, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, and again, this just goes back to like we as fans were robbed of this Kobe, like gone too soon. We were robbed of like having him around in this basketball universe for years and years and getting that additional insight and perspective. But we got glimpses of it. We got glimpses of that through his interviews, through things like that. Do you remember, I believe it was after Kobe retired or maybe in his final season, I can't remember, but he had that face-to-face interview with Shaq. It was in the Lakers trophy room where they're both sitting on chairs, like right in front of each other mm. and they just hash it yeah. out. They just talk about like, you yeah. know, yeah, their, yeah, their yeah, experiences yeah. stuff like that. And I mean, there was, that was perfect. That was what I was hoping that we could get out of this. Right. I don't need Jordan to forgive Isaiah Thomas. I don't need him to like, um, uh, uh to become the saint or anything like that, but that, 
that reality of like, hey, you know what? Years later, I'm looking back at it. Like if Shaq, King Petty could do it, then I was hoping that we could get some more from, from Jordan as well, right? But maybe this is the appeal of Jordan, right? Maybe this is the fact that like we are getting hit right now watching this documentary with that same reality shock that the the world got hit with in, in 92 or 93 when the book came out and people realized, well, he's kind of a flawed person. Maybe Jordan's flaws are that he is what he is and he doesn't care about, uh, mm. you know, revisiting any of these things. He doesn't care about reflection. That's the word I'm yeah, reflection. For. He doesn't he doesn't care about reflection. Yeah. What Jordan is doing is he's telling a story his way. This is how he remembers it. And what we're getting is a window. And and that's great. I appreciate what we're getting, but maybe it was just a misalignment. Maybe I was expecting something different going into this, right? Yeah. Um I I I, I agree entirely. It's the the reflection part that's missing. You know how with every single kind of um essay you give the facts but in order for it to be an actual good essay you also have to give your perspective or your opinion on it so what i find what's happening right now is mj's giving the facts of what happened this is so this is what happened in that game what i would want to hear is this is what i learned from that game and how it impacted the next one or the following one Mm-hmm. That reflection piece is missing. And I find that it was so hype just with getting an MJ documentary that I kind of let that go. But now because of how things are starting to drag a little bit, I'm beginning to realize that maybe this could have been a five-part documentary and would have been fine. Yeah. But making it a 10-part series maybe could be pushing it a bit. However, let's see what happens because we still do have yeah. uh, four more episodes to go. And one thing, I, I know that... Um, it, is certain is when I do get to see those basketball highlights, man, some of these passes that Jordan's doing, he's hanging in the air for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. These, these, you know, reverse clutch layups that he's doing, they're so magnificent to watch. And you, you understand the sentiment of trying to be like Mike. Yeah. He was a, f- a fantastic player and definitely one of his kind. He originated a lot of, you know, the way that people are playing right now. Yeah. And it's really, really fun to watch. So while I wish there was more reflection and while I wish there was more basketball breakdown, the fact that I get to watch some of these highlights, me and my cousin are both just in awe. Yeah. Like, wow, Jordan is just one hell of a player. And you get to you get that with this documentary. So we'll give it that. But I do hope for more in the future yeah i mean my more comes back to something i mentioned maybe the, the first time we discussed this the i still don't have the why i still why is this the last dance why does this matter so much to you why will you leave why won't you why does phil matter so much to you right like you're winning titles yeah we get it but you haven't told us the why yet right like yeah. could you imagine uh, uh, the all-star of the, sorry, the MVP of the all-star game, just saying like, yeah, I'm going to retire next season. Like there is so much why that we have to get at that right now, Jordan is giving us the same answers that he gave back then. Right. So I'm really hoping that that's something that, uh, that I can. Yeah. The to. answer that he's giving yeah. is something we can find from a YouTube video, breaking down the 92, 93 bulls. Yeah. I want to hear is a breakdown from the person who lived it because that's something that SB net or sports net can't do. 
they can give a breakdown of the facts, but they can't give a breakdown of an inner pers- of the perspective of somebody who went through it, especially somebody as big as Michael Jordan himself. One hundred percent. You know what? You know what they haven't even touched on yet. How does Scotty feel about Michael Jordan retiring after that last year? Yeah. How how do how does uh, Steve Kerr feel about that? How do how do any of his teammates feel that like I am now in this locker room with the greatest player in the world who is going to retire it, uh, if if Phil Jackson doesn't come back? Like, why are we not getting these perspectives? Right. Hmm. I would love to hear those stories, but you know what we can hope for the best is like you said, four episodes left. So a lot to do and four episodes mean, you know, like two more weeks of Pascual content for us. So if anyone's <laughs> hanging on to a documentary that they haven't released yet, you know, like get it out there so we can start talking about it. Perfect. I think with that, we can wrap up this episode. Yeah. Um, everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, as Omar had mentioned during our during my brief hiatus, um, <laughs> we're on YouTube. Be sure to check us out. Uh, the session of basketball podcast. You search it up. You'll definitely see our beautiful faces up on there. Be sure to rate five stars and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. And um, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow us um, at the session ball on Instagram. That's where you're going to be connected with us the most. We're getting close to our 100 follower mark, and I'm super excited for it. So let's keep things moving. Let's keep the conversation flowing. And that's everything that I've got to say, Omar. And it's all on, it's all on you now. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much everything. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, show some love to the new IGTV post that we got there. And definitely check us out on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe on that as well. And from everyone here at the session, cheers. Cheers.